You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 128 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Ramanami. Formed in 2013, Ramanami hails from Punta Arenas, Chile. What does Ramanami mean? Ramen is the famous oriental soup known well by touring musicians and poor college kids alike. And Ami means to me. Mixing styles of hardcore, metal, punk, rap, and more, Ramanami has something for everyone. For more information on Ramanami, you can check them out on all of the streaming platforms as well as Facebook and Instagram at Ramanami. Now here it is, their new single, Prisionero. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Hey, this is Jesse. And this is Bill from Chaser, and you are listening to That One Time on Tour. Everybody out there in podcast land, what is going on? As always, this is Chris Swinney, your host for that one time on tour. Uh, this is my podcast where I get to sit down with somebody in or around the entertainment industry and have a stellar conversation. 
Thanks for coming back. If it's your first time, thanks for checking out the show. I really appreciate it. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well out there and staying safe. I say it every week, but you know, you got to wear your mask. You got to wash your hands. You got to social distance. You got to do the whole thing. So make sure you're doing that so we can get music to come back. We can have concerts again. That's, that's a big deal for me. I'm, I'm dying without some live music, man. So let's uh let's take care of each other and let's get this whole thing in the past. That would be wonderful. So uh, what's going on? Let's see. Halloween is this coming weekend. Normally, it is one of my favorite holidays. But this year, of course, it's a little bit weird due to the raging pandemic that we have in this country and I guess across the globe as well. But uh, the city that I live in has canceled trick-or-treating. So my wife and I are planning on taking the kids over to grandma and grandpa's house. And uh, we kind of we think we're going to hide candy around the house and do like an Easter egg hunt. Kind of, I don't know, it's kind of lame, but it's kind of fun. You know, the kids are still going to dress up. We're just going to try to make the best of it since we can't really go door to door, which which sucks because I have a really cool neighborhood. And and last year, like it was the first year the kids really understood what we were doing and and they loved it. So uh, hopefully this will be a nice little consolation to uh, to what's going on. We can just go over there and have a little Easter egg hunt with Halloween candy over at my mom's house. I think it's going to be pretty cool. So uh, let's see what else. My new music education studio, Midwest Music Mentors, is open and doing well. I have had a few students pause their lessons due to the spike in the COVID cases, but uh, I'm cautiously optimistic that opening a new business during a global pandemic was indeed a good idea. I guess we will see. I don't know. I, I was... You know, I was just not working in the place I used to teach at. They they weren't going to do lessons for the foreseeable future. And I opened this place up and I got all my students back and I even got some new students. And now it there's some people dropping off. And as the cases go up, it's scary. But uh, we, we will see if it was a good idea to open a business during the pandemic. Uh, hopefully it is. Cross your fingers for me that it's, that it's going to work out, you know. So uh, I would like to know... How you are weathering the storm? Are you still off work? Did you work all the way through the quarantine? Are you considered essential? Are you not essential? To me, guitar teaching is essential, but not so much to the Indiana Health Department. So that is uh, that's where I'm at right now. I'm back at work, but it is kind of slow going. And I would like to know how you're dealing with all this. So you can hit me up all the socials TOTOT podcast. Let me know what's going on. I'd like to know how you're dealing with it and uh, know a little bit about your story. So uh, today on the program, I have two guests. This is one of the very few times that I have had two guests on the program. I think I had uh, uh, I had the girls for the Bomb Pops, uh, Polly and Jen, and I had who did I have Jacob and. Somebody, I can't, man, my, my brain's not working. Some people from the band Law. Uh, I've, I've had a couple times where I've had two people on the show, and it's it's worked out fairly well. I'm always worried about it, especially in a Zoom call, because people talk over each other and everything. But uh, today went really, really well. Today on the program, my two guests, Jesse and Bill from the awesome skate punk band Chaser. Chaser hails from Southern California, and in recent years, they've become 
kind of the go-to support for many of the bands that you've heard right here on this program. I mean, they played shows with Pennywise and Strung Out and 88 Fingers Louie and just so many bands. And they're awesome. They, they're such a good band. They're a mainstay on the European festival circuit and an amazing live band. Their live show is just so good. They have a new release out right now called Look Alive. It's like a two-song EP. It's really cool. And uh, I had a great time chatting with Jesse and Bill. I, I've always been aware of Chaser, and I've always really liked their stuff. So it was really cool to chat with them, get to know them, and hear their story. And it, it's also cool because uh, they, they talk about it a little bit on the conversation. They're big fans of this podcast. So bonus points for Jesse and Bill for liking the podcast. I really appreciate that as well. It's always kind of freaks me out. I put these out and, you know, people listen but I'm always kind of surprised when people listen or when people in bands that I like listen. It's it's really weird. But thank you guys so much for liking the podcast. And now your guests on the podcast. Uh, if you're not familiar with Chaser, they, uh, they're great. You're in for a treat. If you listen to this podcast on any kind of consistent basis, I guarantee you're going to dig Chaser. They're right up your alley if you like this show. So before I get to my conversation with the Chaser Boys, I need to pay some bills like I always do. Uh, let's see here. Ramen Nami. Yes, the band that sponsored this episode. They're out of Chile, way down in Patagonia. They're great. I love them. Uh, Simon, one of the guys in Ramen Nami, actually designed our logo. Like, not our spam from... Uh, Austria did our logo, but Simon animated the logo. So if you've seen it on Instagram or anything where the it's actually animated and spinning around everything, Simon did that. And I've got to say, man, it's it's so cool to to have an animated logo. I, I feel like a like a big guy, you know, like when you see, I don't know, you watch Star Wars and like the George Lucas thing is animated or like anything on TV. They always have animated logos. So Simon from Ramanami. Thank you very much. You guys can check out Ramanami on all of the streaming platforms. It is R-A-M-E-N-A-M-I. Also, at Ramanami on all the socials. Make sure to check them out. Last but not least, PartsCasterConcierge.com. I tell you every week, my buddy Gary, PartsCasterConcierge.com, it's amazing. He makes guitars. He consults on guitars. He makes pedals. He makes accessories. Whatever you want, you've got to hit him up. He made me a beautiful guitar. There's pictures of it on Instagram. He has a bunch of new stuff out right now that is up for sale. This is quality stuff. You need to check it out. PartsCasterConcierge.com If you have a band or a company and you would like to sponsor an episode of that one time on tour, you can do it very easily. Just hit me up, TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the socials at TOTOTpodcast. I'll shoot you over all the info and we will make it happen. If you would like to support your favorite podcast, head on over to our Patreon right now. And uh, that is patreon.com forward slash TOTOTpodcast. And you can get involved over there. Uh, Venmo is another way that you can donate to the show. You can do that on my personal Venmo at Christopher Swinney, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R-S-W-I-N-N-E-Y. Once again, I had uh, somebody from Australia sent me $50 at the beginning of the month, and uh, their name was not attached to it. And if you sent me $50, 
let me know so I can thank you the right way. But thank you so much for sending that. It means the world to me. The easiest and most cost-effective way to help this podcast out is to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. I posted a thing today on Instagram and Facebook kind of showing where the subscribe button is on Apple Podcasts and where the follow button is on Spotify. Hit those. It makes a huge difference because it gets us in front of more people. And that's kind of the point of this whole thing, to help the bands out that are on the show and just take over the world with that one time on tour. That's what I'm trying to do. So help me out. Let's do it. Uh, shout out to our art director, Sarah over at road dog supply. We have new limited edition merchandise with our new logo, uh, limited edition colors. They're selling out fast. Head on over to TOTOT podcast and check out the merch. And while you're there, also sign up for the mailing list. So you always can keep abreast of what is going on with TOTOT land. Uh, also, last but not least, over on Facebook, join up for the group, man, TOTOT community. It's awesome. We play games over there and we talk about music that changed our lives. I always post stuff about the episodes and questions for the guests. So go on over to Facebook if you still use Facebook and search for the TOTOT community. Okay, so that is the intro. I have a radio segment today, quite a self serving radio segment. So cue the theme music. On this edition of TOTOT Radio, like I said, it's going to be self-serving. Uh, I have this music project that I actually started during the pandemic. It's called Southern Gothic. The name doesn't really have a lot to do with how the music sounds. It's just kind of a cool name. I didn't know it was a TV show when I named the, the project that, but uh, yeah. So uh, it's called Southern Gothic, and uh, I kind of started this as a goof. I had this little demo that I did. And I ask everybody on the socials, hey, do you want to sing on my demo? And I sent it out to everybody, and I got some awesome submissions from people. I played a couple of them on the show back in the day. But the one that really kind of hit me was my buddy Pedro. He plays in the band Ann Beretta. He's also in a really great band called Shot Clock. They're out of Richmond, Virginia. He sent me this stuff back, and it just blew my mind. I loved his vocals. I loved his whole take on the on the entire thing. And... uh we actually kind of put some more bells and whistles on it and had my buddy Brian mix it, my buddy Johnny master it, and it kind of became a thing. And I've slowly but surely been writing more material for Southern Gothic. And my, my plan is to have Pedro do quite a bit of vocals on hopefully an EP or a full length or whatever. But I also have some friends that, uh, that want to sing on it from uh, you know different guests that have been on the show, want to do some work on it. I've got some friends that want to play some bass on it and some real drums, not just my my programmed drums I've been doing with uh, Easy Drummer and Superior Drummer and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of become this thing has taken on its own life and it's slow going. I'm not the, the fastest when it comes to writing songs, but uh, it's become really cool and it's taken up a lot of my time and I, I really enjoy it. And I think that once. I finish this up. I, I'm going to have a really good group of songs with some really cool guests. And 
I don't know. I'm just very, very excited about it. I've played the the single. It's called Long Overdue on the show before, but I'm going to play it again because uh, there's, I have basically, I think I played it like a long time ago when we first did it and our numbers are crazy now. So there's a lot of people listening. And like I said, it's self-serving. I just want you guys to check it out. This is the first single from my music project, Southern Gothic, which this song consists of me and my buddy Pedro from Anberetta and Shot Clock. And I hope you guys like it. It is called Long Overdue. Uh, like I said, the group is called Southern Gothic. We're on all of the streaming sites, and uh, we have a band camp and a Facebook and everything. Just search for Southern Gothic Official, I think is what it is. And uh, yeah, that's it. So I hope you guys dig it. This is Southern Gothic with Long Overdue. project uh, i guess it's not new anymore but I, i'll have new stuff soon uh southern gothic uh it's a it's a really cool project with my buddy pedro from amberetta and shot clock 
And uh, that song was called Long Overdue. I hope you guys enjoyed it. More to come shortly. I have a lot of songs I'm working on. There's one in particular that uh, will be done hopefully before the end of the year. And then we have a lot of new stuff coming next year. And uh, there's, you know, a couple labels have said they dig it. So we'll see. Maybe we can get some vinyl or something. Who knows? But um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. But that is it for the intro. Here it is. It's what you came for. It's my conversation with Jesse and Bill from Chaser. I hope you guys enjoy it. Here we go. And I'm on the line with Jesse and Bill from the awesome band Chaser. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Good to be with you. This is uh, one of the very few times I've had two guests on the show, so we're going to give it a shot and see how it works, okay? Awesome. <laughs> so uh, first off, I, I start all of these off kind of the same way. We're living in these weird times with the pandemic, and uh, it kind of affects everybody in a different way. How has it affected you guys as far as the band is concerned and maybe just in your everyday lives? I'll let Bill start off and then Jesse can take it after that. Um, As far as my everyday life goes, I work from home because I teach high school. Uh, So I've been doing uh, straight um, online learning and I have two kids at home, too, who are at both elementary school. And so it's been uh, pretty hectic, actually. Um, You know, we're surviving. We're making it like everybody doing the best we can. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where I am personally. Um, as far as the band goes, I'll let Jesse uh, talk about his personal and take the band. Before you start, Jesse, what do you teach in high school? What what subjects? I teach uh, math. Oh, awesome! Cool, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Jesse. Sorry. See, this is where it's gonna it's no, gonna be challenging to try to get all this oh, going. No. Hey, that's great. I, I think we're gonna make it go out of it. Like, we'll try not to talk over each other, but I'm really happy to have Bill on this uh, with me as this is actually both of ours, uh, one of our favorite podcasts. Frankly, it's kind of the only one that I listen to as well. So I wanted Bill on it. That's awesome, man. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, as as far as COVID, um, first and foremost, we really hope everybody's staying safe, healthy out there. Um, These are definitely crazy times. And I personally, if we've learned anything, is that there's so much that can divide us and there's so much uncertainty in the world that we really just got to stick together, look after each other, take care of each other. So I hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. Um, how it's affected me personally, I, I have the luxury, which many don't, of working from home at this moment in time. I also don't have any children. So a lot of respect to the parents out there that are dealing with uh, that as well and teaching the kids from home. I know it's just an entirely new obstacle trying to juggle and manage work and uh, the kids not being in school. So mad, mad respect to the parents out there as well. Um, so for me, it hasn't been too bad. Definitely miss my family, miss miss the normalcy. It's not going out to bars and going to restaurants that I miss. It's miss being around the people that you love and care about. And that, and that you feel the void on an everyday basis. Um, how it's impacting the band, you know, it, if we're jumping right into it, we finished recording our album in uh, February, March, and that's when all this started hitting and, and we scrambled. I mean, no one knew what, what the next six, eight months were going to look like, especially back in February. So we actually put the album on ice. So we decided not to release the album until, you know, we had summer plans scheduled, uh, rock, rock, punk rock holiday, tells bells festival, you know, awesome festivals in Europe. And everything got canceled. So for us, we said, let's put the album on ice for a bit 
And uh, now we're starting to practice again, break out some of the you know songs from the new album. We actually just had practice yesterday. It was really a blast to even just get to see the guys. So it's it's had its impact on us. Do you guys plan on, I mean, or have you, maybe I've missed it, doing any kind of like live streaming type stuff like a lot of the other bands are doing right now? We talked about it, but we decided ultimately not to do any kind of live stream because uh, we're going to be focusing on, uh, we have a lot to get ready for in terms of releasing the new record. And so we wanted to put all of our kind of energy and focus around um, getting the uh, getting the re- release ready. And so we're still working on dates as far as finalizing when that's going to be and when that's going to happen and start to release singles. But just because we had so much already in the can that we had to kind of come up with a plan for, we we decided that a live stream, just um, given our constraints with practice time and with um, with the COVID situation, it was just going to be very difficult to add another thing like that to our plate. So, you know, props to the bands that are doing it because they are doing yeah. an amazing job. Some of these streams are incredible how good they sound and and just the production value. And we just felt like if we were going to do it, we wanted to do it right. And we just, we don't have the time or um, really the space to make that happen to where it would be the quality that we would want. I I know you guys kind of like the same kind of stuff that I'm into. You said you listen to the podcast and I've looked on your Facebooks and stuff to see kind of, we're all kind of in the same group, you know, we're about the same age. We like punk rock. We came up in it. So I'm sure you checked out the no effects stream the other night. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it sounded um, unreal. Like I've seen them play so many times and I don't know if they doctored it or what, but it was probably the best thing I'd ever heard. You know, (laughs) I agree. It was, it was amazing. yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, so the thing that I was just saying, like we're kind of around the same age, you know, you guys formed the band in 2000. I, I know you guys have had success over the years. When I put up the stuff on the socials to say that you guys were coming on, the consensus was a lot of Europeans. Now, I've found through doing this podcast that skate punk, that type of sound is still really big over in Europe. Do you guys feel kind of the same way? And do you feel like maybe you've had a little more success overseas than you've had here? Yeah. Um, start, starting in 2000, we had some success, 2000 to 2010. A lot of shows with Pennywise and Unwritten Law, No Use for a Name, and uh, runs and stints with Guttermouth, Authority Zero. You know, when, when those types of bands came through Southern California, we were often uh, the, the direct support for them at House of Blues and the Roxy and Whiskey in LA and et cetera, et cetera. So we had our success in the early 2000s uh, playing this style of music and being kind of a go-to support band uh, for a lot of the bands that we grew up loving. Um, but yeah, since the industry has changed and it's it's they're less volatile and, and uh, particular in Europe to trends and things like that that we are here in the U.S., we still have a, a strong following in the U.S., frankly, our Spotify and et cetera, that it's still number one. It's the U.S. for us. Um, but in Europe, that love for skate punk, that love for punk rock is still there. I mean, it's, it's raging and they also have an appreciation for bands from out of the country. So when we go there, we do in fact have a real strong following in in different countries. And that's thanks to the festivals, of course, that brought us over and, you know, had us complain in 2018 when we released Sound the Sirens. So we do have a, a strong following in Europe. And also uh, in Canada as well, by the way, in Quebec, they are very passionate about their skate punk and also very supportive 
of uh, that scene. Yeah, I, I'm friends. I'm friends with the guys in Big Wig, and I uh, a long yeah. time ago I did a tour with with them. I was with a different band, and we were up in Quebec. But the one thing that Tom we always talk about, even when he was on the show, it's like it doesn't matter how long it's been. You get to Quebec, and you're in a band like you guys are, like Big Wig, and they just go crazy. And like I just. Yeah, I don't understand why that is. I mean, I love the music, but it just seems like Quebec is this little island of skate punk, you know? Yeah, yeah, totally. That that place is very, very special uh, to us um, and Europe as well. You know, one thing that's to kind of piggyback on what Jesse was saying um, is that their passion, not just for the music, but also their just passion and uh, for the smaller bands, the the support bands, you know, of course, they love, you know, the legends, you know, Pennywise, Bad Religion, No Effects, Face to Face. But, you know, bands that like I've never even heard of and, and you watch on the smaller stages, there's tons of people there just really yeah. getting into it. And like, it's just it's unlike anything I've seen in the U.S. maybe in, a, in a, quite a while. It's just their the way they interact with the smaller bands and the way they kind of just um, the way they get excited about smaller bands and having their merch and you know buying their albums it's really unique um to to that area and i'm not sure why that is but it's just that's that's always struck me as just something pretty remarkable about their scene out there yeah. well let's talk a little bit of history then you guys formed in 2000 uh i'm sure some of you guys are probably in other bands before that can you kind of take me through the beginning stages of how the band got together yeah i'll take that i'll take that one of course so i joined the band actually in 2006 uh, the band formed in 2000, Mike LaDonna, our singer, one of the founding members, along with some of our other friends from uh, high school. They were high school friends, got together for a love of punk rock, playing like we all did, 90s-style punk rock cover songs in our drummer's garage. You know, so that's Sounds really familiar. how Chaser's... <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's how, uh, that is how Chaser started. Um released a self-released album in 2003 called in control in 2006 teamed up with felony records uh to release numb america i was actually telling this story the other day which is pretty cool that uh when we were in the studio in 2006 recording numb america stall two with darian rundle who uh produced and recorded a yellow card album and pennywise and etc um we got the the uh, invite from good riddance to go on tour in europe and we actually hadn't finished the album yet. So we quickly wrapped up uh, the album where it stood and took printed copies, printed a thousand copies and went to Europe. And that was our first time in Europe with Good Riddance as direct support out there for three weeks. When we came back home, we actually finished the US or the, the official recording of America, which had the, the dubs and the lead guitars and backing vocals and et cetera. So kind of an interesting fact that there's actually two versions of <laughs> America out there from 2006, which is pretty cool. So uh, that's when we started to see, I say success, but Success just as a local band in Orange County, San Diego, LA. We go out, we go out to Arizona and play some shows with Unread Law and open for Face to Face and things like that. Um, and then in 2010, we recorded The Big Picture. And we were in our 20s, late 20s, early 30s at the time, or I guess, yeah, late 20s. And realizing that there was school and there was work and there were bills and being on the road was just getting more and more difficult. And we also started having families and dedicating our time to other things that were equally important to us. So we called it a, well, we called it quits 
back then. Uh, we didn't know it was only going to be a hiatus. So we called it quits. And in 2014, we, we felt that void of missing just playing, playing songs together. So we got back together, started playing music, 2015, tracked some demos and such. And Bill joined, you joined us in 16, I believe? 17, I believe. And 17. So Bill joined us in 17. And that's what really lit a fire under us. Uh, Bill's style, I, I swear, is the best thing that's happened to the band, probably since I joined it. But so Bill's, Bill's style, he kept us, absolutely kept us in line, made sure that, you know, guy driving up from San Diego to Orange County to come practice with us once a week, he made sure that there was an end game. And that end game was recording an album and getting back to touring. And he really lit the fire for us. And it gave us kind of this collective responsibility and accountability towards each other that, hey, if we're going to do this, we, we really got to step our game up and do it right. Um, we got new members, new songs, and that was really kind of the catalyst that kicked us into the next gear. So within a year after Bill joining us, April 2018, we finished recording Sound the Sirens, literally within a year. And um, then we were off to the, <laughs> to the races. And Bill, you can take it from there. The rest yeah, of the history. Um, so yeah, it was uh, when I joined in 17, summer of 17, like like Jesse was saying, like, uh, you know, <laughs> for better or for worse, I kind of, uh, I'm a little bit of a gym rat. And like, I just like, well, I'm always like, okay, what's next? You know, like, I'm just, I'm very like linear in my thoughts. Okay, we're going to do this. Then we're going to practice. And, you know, they already had a really, a bunch of really good songs done, done without I'm like, hey, we could do this record. Let's, where are we going to do it? Let's talk to some producers. Let's talk to some engineers. Let's, you know, I, so I started getting everybody like kind of lined up and saying, Okay, I'm always pushing practice because, like I said, I'm a gym rat. I love to practice. You know, I'm I'm one of the few that actually enjoys practicing. I just love doing it. And so I was like, okay, well, we're gonna do this. And it seemed like, I don't know. Once everything, like everybody was really amenable to it, so it wasn't like I had to like you know push, push, push. I've been in a band like that before. We probably all have, where you know you have one person driving the ship, and everybody else, you're just like you feel like you you can't get anybody on board totally. You know, everyone's kind of flaking on you. So uh, luckily. You know, it was just a really good fit because everybody was kind of on the same page. And, you know, um, we just drove towards the album. We finished the record, like Jesse said, in um, spring of 2018. And we had only been together for six months at that point. So, like, going into that session, you know, was just a completely different experience. We could talk about the new record in a little bit, but uh, <laughs> we just had very little experience together. So we were still kind of figuring out each other's musicians, how we operated in the studio. I mean, all those kind of little nuances that uh, exist within a band dynamic uh but the album came out great you know in the end as much as it was like a lot of <laughs> a lot of you know um figuring things out on the way there and then uh we just went to europe that summer for the first time and then we went to canada for the first time together that fall and just like things really really started to come together um yeah. it, it was just uh, it was a very exciting time it was a time you know that i we just learned a lot about each other as, as individuals and it really set the stage for this next stage. Uh, cause we started to tour more in 2019 and then it kind of set the stage for the recording of this record. So, um, you know, that, uh, th that was really like, like he's like Jesse was saying, what launched us into where we are now and, and hopefully where we can kind of take the, and progress to where we're going in 2021. Hey guys, it's Chris breaking into the action to tell you about a brand new sponsor for the podcast, Spam. Not Spam, Spam. What is Spam, you say? 
Is it music? Is it art? A label? A poster? Or a festival? Sbam combines all of this and so much more. S-B-A-M. Four letters in punk rock to watch out for. There is hardly any band or artist in the punk rock world that has not worked with Sbam before. For the latest news, records, art, or to check out their iconic music festival, please visit www.sbam.rocks. That is www.sbam.rocks. Now, I've always kind of been the guy in the bands that I've been in that has been the analytical thinker and like, let's make a plan. Let's figure out what we're going to do. Let's not waste time. You know, we're always working towards that next goal. Now, you know, Bill, you seem like that kind of guy. Jesse, when he entered the band, did you feel like maybe that was lacking in the current lineup before he joined? Because I think a band needs that, right? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm the same way. So (laughs) it was... (laughs) Yeah, which I think is, it's almost like, uh, you know, we're not a super group, but I feel like when we're trying to get shit done, we're like a super group because yeah. all of us are are driven like that. So I, w- I was the same way, the one kind of managing, managing everything behind the scenes for 10 years at that time. But when Bill came, I think it was just, uh, there is, I think for me personally, I can only speak for myself, but there was kind of this new accountability. All right, we got this new member who joined the band to play guitar. He's driving up from San Diego. You know, what, what do we want to make of this? Are we just going to get drunk and play music every Tuesday, Tuesday night, you know, or are we going to actually make this into something that eh, we all know it still isn't quite a profession, but something we treat like it's a profession. And I think that was kind of a, a personal accountability that I had. And uh, Bill brought some fresh legs, you know, and fresh life into it, I think is what it was. You know, in, in 2018, just a quick comment. It was really new to us. I mean, we were so unsure of what was going to happen. You know, we didn't even know why we were putting this album out. We just, we got good music. Let's put out, let's make some music and let's make it part of our legacy and part of our history and put new music out there. And that was really cool because when people started taking a liking to it and festivals that, that, I mean, some of them I'd never heard of, you know, I'd been out of the game for 10 years. So festivals from Europe started emailing and saying, Hey guys, we want you to come out. We loved your new album. How'd you even hear our new album? We're still just that small band, garage band from Orange County. How'd you even hear of us? So that was really cool. And it was nice to know that the things we did, like the tours in, with Good Riddance uh, in Europe in 2006, that's how they heard of us. You know, they were at our show in, in XYZ cities and they saw us 10 years, 12 years ago. And we made such a lasting impression on them that this new album was something that was piqued their interest. And they, you know, looked into it. I mean, that was really cool. So that was a really cool time because we didn't know, I had no idea we were going to be going and playing with these bands and traveling to Europe and getting invited to Canada. And when I look back now, it's only been a couple of years, but I feel like we were so green just two years ago, you know, and, and there was so much unknown and uncertainty. And I, I could not be any happier with the development. So the one thing that I, when I listen to you guys, I feel like you guys could have found a home on like fad or hopeless or epitaph or somewhere. I was wondering, you know, being a band, as long as you've been a band, did you guys, you know, you know, a lot of bands that are on those labels. I'm sure you're kind of plugged into that scene. Did, do you have that fat Mike form rejection letter that I have in my, (laughs) in my scrapbook? (laughs) Bro, I, I, (laughs) 
you know, this, this keeps me up at night because I wanted that so badly because I believe, I, I genuinely believe that we could be a good fit for things like fat. Epitaph is tough because their style has changed. They still have their legacy bands. Um, I think about it every day, you know, I, and not out of jealousy or envy, but out of, I believe that music needs to be a vessel for sending some kind of message, you know, positive or whatever it may be. And for us, it is, it's positivity, it's PMA, it's taking care of one another. And I want our message to be heard by as many people as possible because I believe in what we, what we have to say. And fat rec is a platform for that. Um, They have fantastic bands. I mean, we're all fans of that. We, I, and I love the new bands, bomb pops, bad cop, bad cop. I mean, they're, killer i mean mad props to those girls and what they do and what they stand for and the difference that they make in in young girls lives and the role models that they are for those people i mean i have so much respect for for many of the new fat bands and i and i we happen to be friends with them and know many of them personally including the legacy bands of face to face and strung out and etc i can't get anyone at fat to even reply so i sent it I emailed it. We did the digital press kit, you know, but I just can't even get a reply. And we're not the type to ask friends to call in favors for us because that's just not how it works. We got to stand on our own merit and our own accord. And uh, yeah, it still keeps me up at night. Very happy with the direction we're going. But I, yeah, if anyone in chat's listening, you guys are missing out. Well, I, I think it's kind of cool that you guys have still had an upward trajectory from the beginning, even though there were some lulls in there. And you know, you guys have done the tours overseas and you have the friends in the bands that take you guys out and you put out quality stuff. The one thing that I was looking at with the new record and some of the older records is I like the way that you guys have. And I think a lot of bands are doing this now because some labels have a better pull in other areas. Like you guys are working with a label in the States, a label in Canada, a label in Europe, a label in Australia with that many things kind of going, are you just licensing that out or are you working with all those labels on like a day-to-day basis with that stuff? You know, we, we felt that that's a great question, by the way, we felt that uh, if we weren't going to land something like fat, which was unfortunate because we really tried and sideline dummy and, <laughs> and it, the list goes on and on, by the way. Um, so we felt like we weren't going to land something like that, that a really good alternative to us would be to work with friends labels that we have that we absolutely respect um, Thousand Island Records is a killer record label in Canada. They treat you like family. It, they do a wonderful job. They got good, a, a hell of a roster. Spam Records in uh, Europe does an awesome job. He distributes a lot of the fat uh, records as well. He just did and, my new uh, logo, by the way, for the show. I saw it. It's yeah. badass, by the way. <laughs> I love awesome. the logo. Yeah. And he, he does. And he does an awesome job and Stefan's just the man and well-connected and he puts on a uh, killer festival, one of our, our favorite fests actually that we went to in Austria. Uh, Soundspeed Records in Los Angeles and California, that's actually one of our good friends, 20-year friend, Chris Manning. Um, so we got him holding it down in, in the US and then we have P Records in Australia, which pretty much has some of the best punk bands, if not all the best punk bands in Australia are on that record label. So we work with them regularly. We're in contact with them weekly, uh, especially leading up to the release of the seven inch. So we had them all print or we printed and everybody received uh, hard copies that they were able to sell to their fans locally. And for us, that was also really big because it allows the fans to get the music without having to pay 25, 35, $45 in shipping to buy a seven inch. So 
we were able to get the music into the hands of the fans at a, at a more affordable cost. And we also have people that have strong reputations, strong connections that really love music and love the scene like we do that are out there spreading the good word of Chaser. So we, we're very happy with uh, the record labels and the direction that we went. Do you guys have, you know, you said you both of you are very analytical. You guys handle business. Who is dealing with the labels? Is it is it both of you guys? Is it one of you guys? Is there someone in the band that kind of handles the day-to-day, like running a business aspect of a band? It's Jesse. <laughs> I I joke that it's a part-time job, except it's it's I get paid in peanuts. It's an internship, I, get, an internship for Chaser. <laughs> It's an internship, but you know what, man? We do it out of the love of the music, out of the love of the fans, out of the belief in what we're doing and what we stand for as a band and the, and the message that we're, we're sending. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. So we, re- and we really, I mean, we really mean that. And if, if anybody's ever seen a Chaser show or ever met us at a show, they know, they know where our heart's at and where we stand. So this can be, uh, I'll let Bill take this and I'll let you take over for as well. But, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. I I live here again now. I've lived all over the place, but now I'm back in Muncie, Indiana, which is where I grew up. Finding punk rock for me, you know, being similar ages of you guys, it was all through compilations. I got Punkarama 1. I got into all the Epitaph bands. And then, you know, I found out about the Misfits. And then I got that. And then Black Flag. And then I jumped back into the more, like, metallic Fat Wreck stuff. And it just kind of took over my life. I'm always interested in people that grew up where that scene kind of happened. Like, how did you guys get into it? What was the first like gateway for you into what we all love? Well, um, I grew up on the East coast. uh, So I grew up like uh, in Delaware outside Philly, Wilmington. And uh, one of my first, you know, I was in the metal growing up in middle school. You know, I really liked, um, you know, Metallica and and, uh, Slayer, Megadeth and all the kind of, you know, 80s thrash, you know, era bands when I was younger, when I first started getting into rock music. Uh, and then when I was in uh, ninth grade, a friend of mine who was, I never forget, he was a, my lab partner in science class or whatever. And he handed me a dubbed Minor Threat tape, you know, it was like the original two seven inches from Minor Threat. And it was on, you know, how we used to pass the tapes around, you know, that was like, I was definitely from the tape era. And, you know, having a new friend pass you a dub tape and he's like, check this out, you know. And so I went home and it just like hearing that first like chord with filler, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And so that was like my first introduction really into punk rock. Um, and, you know, then I got into uh, a lot of the New York hardcore stuff like, um, you know, I was into Agnostic Front big time, you know, all the New York hardcore bands, um, Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today. So I was really like, again, all that stuff was really regional at the time. So getting the West Coast punk in the late 80s sometimes was difficult in the record stores. You know, I didn't have it. It was hard for me to get to a record store, you know, because I didn't have a car. And, you know, maybe I can try to ride my bike, you know, 10 miles to the mall or whatever. But it was hard to get those records. So I would just get them through friends and go to shows and like every band. So I started going to like hardcore shows, local hardcore shows. And some of these were like super scary. You know, I was a... I was a kind of a timid kid and I would go to some of these shows and they were just like, I love the music, but they were just insanely violent. You know, a lot of the straight edge shows. I was like, Oh my God, I cannot, I can't do this, you know? Um, but I love the music. And I just, that's why I started playing guitar. And our, one of the first albums I tried to play along with was uh, agnostic front live at CBGB in the eighties, 89. I think that release was the original that they did. And I just tried to play every song that I could, you know, I could hammer out some bar chords and, 
was the first time I felt like, yeah, I could do this, you know, like this is the thing that I could do with the metal guys. Cause I didn't have any formal lessons or anything at the time. I didn't take lessons until way later in my, in my evolution, but I felt like, man, I'm not going to be able to achieve, you know, I can't play like Dave Mustaine or whatever, you know, like these guys are just insane, you know? So, but like somebody like Vinny Stigma, you know, who became a kind of a guitar hero of mine, I was like, wow, this is like something I could accomplish. Now to follow up on that, I didn't really get into, even know about really West Coast punk, bad religion. And so I heard Suffer and then Suffer was just like, again, it was like almost as important as hearing that first Minor Threat record was like, I realized, wow, this record is so aggressive, but yet it sounds like it has like those pop sensibilities, you know, like it, the way the melodies flow. And I was like, this has, this is like the total package. It's aggressive, it's heavy, but yet it's like super melodic. And it like, it's the lyrics are just like, I get, give me a dictionary. I can like look up these words. I don't even know what half this stuff means, but like, you know, it was just, that to me was a real, um, those were probably, if I had to say the two kind of critical moments, it was like the early DC and New York hardcore. And then like hearing bad religion as kind of my first introduction to the West coast. And then I saw the liner notes and I was like, okay, I'm checking out all these other bands. You know, I'm going to check out the descendants, you know, I'm going to check out black flag. I'm gonna check out like all these other, even though Black Flag, I kind of knew about because they traveled out to the East Coast a little bit at that point. But um, yeah, I'd say that's probably the uh, those are the two critical moments in my evolution as far as getting into punk rock. OK, and Jesse, uh, you, you're from California originally. Yeah, yeah. From Orange County. And so story that Bill told me, didn't one of your friends go to California on vacation and bring home the suffer tape? And that's how you learned about bad religion. Yeah. That's true. Crazy. So I, I had the luxury of growing up here and I just feel like that's all that I knew was, was uh, bad religion, Pennywise. I mean, so for me, it's as, as early as I even remember listening to music. Uh, I had a couple of older siblings that got me into punk rock. So as early as I remember listening to music, uh, I think my first album was bad religion generator, you know, that I asked for, for my birthday one time when I was probably like seven years old. So <laughs> it was just always, it was always uh, it was always bad religion, Pennywise, face to face, frankly, even Blink 182, Blink back then, you know, San Diego. So it was uh, 90s style melodic skate punk, no effects, like everything that we grew up listening to. And those were just the first bands that I'd heard of, the first music I ever got into. So I, I just always think that's so, I mean, because for me, I think I just stumbled upon it. <laughs> My dad brought a, a yeah, b- yeah. brought Punkarama home one day because he got it at the dollar bin at some record store, and I was like, "Oh, these bands are amazing!" Because I knew about Offspring and Green Day, but I didn't know about anything else, you know. Yeah, just just say that. I mean, the the Offspring, Green Day, nineteen ninety four, basically. I mean that that era when it was mainstream. Um, I think I was already into punk rock. Yeah, definitely before Dookie and such. Yeah. So for me, it was just, again, it was the first music that I knew. The first songs that I learned to sing was listening to punk rock with my older brother, my older sister, actually. That's awesome, man. I want to talk about uh, the, the seven inch because I think it's really cool. You guys, the, the new seven inch EP look alive. It came out September 4th. 100% of the record sales are going to charity. Can you guys kind of walk me through that and what the, how that, how you guys came to decide to do that? Uh, Yeah. You know, um, we did want to release some new music because we were going to put off the full length because we wanted to put it closer to when uh, touring was going to be realistic. We didn't want to put it out because we were planning on summer 2020 release for the full length and then go to Europe. 
but obviously that kind of all um, that all kind of fell apart. So uh, we wanted to definitely put that off, but yet we still had a real desire to release some new music because we were kind of building up and we were kind of like telling, you know, uh, fans of the band that, hey, we got new music coming. So we thought it was a cool way. We recorded 15 tracks, 15. Um, and so we were planning to only put out 12 or 13 on the record. So we had a few extras that we were saving for, you know, kind of for a rainy day or, but it just turned out that it was like, well, why don't we release them now, you know? And instead of like, just, we wanted to do something special with it. Well, if we're going to do it, let's put it towards something right now, especially that, you know, with, with everything that's happening in the world, that this is a very challenging time and, you know, let's do something good for the world community, you know, as much as we can. And so we came up with uh, four great charities um, that uh, all do amazing work and they do work in different realms. So uh, Equal Justice Initiative, which helps to kind of end mass incarceration in the U.S. Um, uh, Educational First Steps, it helps with early childhood education, providing for disadvantaged students uh, in the area, certainly of pre-K and uh, earlier education. Um, Surfrider Foundation, which is close to my heart, uh, in protecting our oceans and beaches and uh, sea life. And then um, Crisis Aid International, which is like an organization that provides food and supplies especially during this time that becomes really important as uh, a lot of more people are needing uh, of those kind of critical uh, supplies. How do you, how do you get, uh, I mean, this is, might be a dumb question, but uh, like a label that's putting that out, is it a hard sell? Because most labels are wanting some kind, I mean, charity is a great thing, but I, I've, yeah. al I've always wondered, you know, like back in the day you had Subsidy, which is part of Hopeless, and like they always gave charity off of every release. But when you tell a label, hey, we want to do 100% of the proceeds, is that a hard sell to a label? Uh, well, if we're just doing band proceeds, so the answer is yes. Oh, that we, okay. It was, we never, we didn't require our labels to give their proceeds. We just, because you're right, it's, it's not our decision to tell them what to do with their money, uh, and they're part of this deal. So we just said, 100% of band proceeds. So every piece of our money is going there. And, you know, we said you can be a part of it or not be a part of it, but uh, you know, that's really up to you. So it, this was just well, our choice as a band. But I do want to be on record that not one of those labels declined. Nobody said, <laughs> no, they're not interested. And every, we just, we never proceeded to ask. We never proceeded. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I, di I didn't want to like come off as saying that labels are money hungry and everything, but oh no, that would be yeah. a hard sell. It's like, hey, we want you to put out this seven inch, but no yeah. money is going to come back into the label. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So this is that one time on tour, and a lot of the times, I kind of put people on the spot. You guys have done a lot of touring. You guys have done a lot of stuff overseas. Like you said, you've played all those festivals. You've played with a lot of bands. Do you have any stories that stick out in your mind that you would like to tell the listeners? A funny story, a scary story, or anything? I'll go, Bill, you can go first if you'd like. <laughs> well, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of different stories. Um, I would say when we went back to Europe, one that sticks out to me is, you know, so we had been together not even a year, and we recorded Sound of the Sirens, so we were, like, really pushing it. And then we, were, we had booked uh, Punk Rock Holiday. We booked three shows over in Europe. Uh, it was Punk Rock Holiday, Brack Rock, and Paris Punk Rock Summer. And at the time, we didn't have European booking agency. So we just decided, because at that point, you know, Chaser had not released an album in like almost 10 years. Uh, we were just coming back. We just put out the record. We were releasing through Effervescence, which is a French label. 
Um, so, you know, we were starting to get noticed over there a little bit in terms of what we released, but we still didn't really have an established fan base, even though there were some leftover fans from certainly from the Good Riddance tour almost, you know, I guess 12 years ago at that point. Um, so we just decided, okay, you know, we don't really have representation over there, booking representation. We're just going to we'll go play these three shows and we're just going to maximize the three shows. And we're just going to, you know, because we're fairly new to their scene over there, we're just going to put on, make these shows as good as we can make them. And we're going to really push the band and just, you know, hang out the merch tent all day and really just try to make a name for ourselves, you know, because we had those three shows, Paris Punk Rock Summer, Brack Rock, and uh, Punk Rock Holiday, all have very large gatherings. And so we can really meet a lot of people and kind of maximize our, I guess, our stamp, or at least put our stamp on what we're about as a band. And so we showed up there at the airport and we were having people, we were put together this really complicated, you know, instead of just getting a van and like, <laughs> you know, having a van with our gear and our merch, like a normal band, we were like, no, we're gonna fly in, then we're gonna go stay with a friend, and then we're gonna have somebody else drive their car over with our merch, and then we're gonna get on a train, and then we're gonna fly. <laughs> it was like the most complicated, like, what is going on? Like about halfway through, we realized like, okay, we were standing at Brack Rock, um, and we had done very, we had a great show, met a lot of people, sold a ton of merch. We were like really pumped about like what had happened, but it was like, okay, we're standing there. It's like 1130 at night, and it was like, okay, we have boxes of merch literally and we're flying to slovenia like the next day and we're like how in the world what kind of band is this you know like it was just kind of one of those situations where you're like in your mind you're learning like we're both very analytical so like immediately we're just like okay next time we're not doing this and we're not doing this and we're gonna do this and this you know how you learn things as you go as we all do and luckily you know what i noticed was really remarkable it's, it's kind of a feel-good story i guess is how the other bands and labels like stepped up and they just helped us out and so our friends in Union 13, which is an L.A. band, um, they were there, too, playing. And we've known those guys for a while. They're friends, and they just, like, had a van. But they had some random guy they met in a bar driving their van, which was another <laughs> hilarious story. But anyway, um, they decided they're going to take all of our merch and all of Davey's drum gear with it. Like, it was just like, they said, no problem. We'll take it down there. We'll see you guys down there. Because they were on the same festival run as us. And there was another label, I think Bearded Punk Records, a small label over there. They took a bunch of our stuff and they said, yeah, we'll just meet you guys there. It was like how everybody just stepped up. And so like we weren't stuck with all these boxes of just like, where are we going to do it? What are we going to do? We can't check all these boxes into the airport. So, um, you know, that was kind of a funny because it was a, a real learning experience. Like, wow, like this is going well. But like logistically, we just weren't like we weren't on the on the uh, on the level. <laughs> so um, the next time. And every time since we've had a van, a driver pick us up at the airport, we've been like a normal band, you know, but that one time was very, very instructive. And, you know, luckily everybody st stepped up and helped us out and didn't ask any questions. It was just like, it was one of those like, wow, this is a real community, a community of people that really cares about each other and is there to help, you know? Have you ever, uh, I remember back in the day when my older bands would, we'd go into Canada and you'd have to pay, you know, if you everything was right and your papers were right and you could go there, you had to pay taxes on merchandise. So did you ever put on like 10 shirts when you crossed the border? Because I've done that many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we uh, we definitely like probably skirted through a few, you know, airports without, you know, it's it, like everybody does. Yeah, put them in your guitar case or whatever, you know, not try to have the we all kind of split up the merch so it doesn't look like our own clothes. Like, yeah, I brought 10 chaser shoots to wear for this tour or this tour, you know, whatever. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, we definitely have done that. I don't know if I, I haven't gone full 10 shirts on, but I would probably, you know, I, I bet back, back in the days on one of those Metallica tours, if you opened up Jason Newstead's luggage, he probably had 20 Metallica shirts. Cause that's all he ever wore. <laughs> Totally, totally. Yeah, exactly. If you're in a band like that where you're wearing your own merch on stage, then yeah, you definitely, that's probably real. So Jesse, uh, what about you, man? Tour story that you can tell us? Um, yeah, you know, ones that really that really stick out of me was uh, the, the 2008 Warp Tour. That one was really fun uh, because that was the first time experiencing these bands. There were some really big bands like, like Rise Against, you know, that we were on tour with and Real Big Fish. And um Every night, which you never knew this when you were a kid going to Warp Tour, but every night after the show ends, all the bands just hang out yeah. backstage or in, in the camping RV area. Yeah, of course, you know. The Chris, barbecue, man. The poker game. The games. barbecue, man. Exactly. And the barbecue and the music and everybody's just like hanging out after hours together all night. And le- unless there's an early bus call. If there's an early bus exactly. call, there's not a lot of that going on. Exactly. Until, until bus call. And that was really cool because I was, uh, 08. So I was 20, 22 at the time to date myself, but I was 22 at the time. And what a cool experience to be traveling around the country. You know, I don't know, 40, 50 shows with warp tour, um, meeting all these bands and hanging out with them and seeing kind of like the human side of all of them that when you're a kid, they're your idols. And that's the only way that you can really even, it's the only perspective and angle that you can see them is as your idols, as your influences. And then when you're kind of not necessarily peers, but when you're hanging out with them backstage and at the barbecue and literally sitting and having a hamburger and a hot dog and you're like, they're just people. And that was a really cool experience for me, especially being only 22 years old, to get to do that and be even just rub shoulders with all the bands that I truly like idolize. You know, six, seven, eight years prior, I'm standing at the fence where the security guard is, you know, asking me for my wristband and I'm waiting to see if maybe face to face is going to walk through and I can get an autograph or take a picture with them. And now you move the tape forward and, and we're just playing the stages and et cetera. So that was really cool. That was my first time seeing that side of the, the music industry and especially the, the punk rock, the punk rock scene, you know? I remember uh, one time in 2009 on the Warp Tour, that was the first time that I'd ever played the main stage because that was a few years after I joined the Ataris and we were, we were on stage and I think we were watching, uh, we were watching Bad Religion and I was having such a good time watching them. But then I looked around and it was like Fat Mike and Hefe and the guys from Thrice and the guys from, from just, there were so many people that I grew up listening to. And they're exactly. all just around me and you could see in their eyes that they're watching a band that influenced them because it was bad religion. Wow. So that whole full circle moment, I know exactly what you're talking about, man. You just, you get to see that behind the scenes thing and you almost get to see it as an insider, not as an outsider, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Very well said. That's how I felt back then was like, wow, we're really doing this. Like, aren't you the same security guard from 10 years ago that kicked me out of backstage? And <laughs> And now you're, you're walking through and you're walking through the fence. And it was really, that was really special again, because it was my first time seeing, you know, it from the other side as an insider, seeing the behind the scenes was really cool. Okay. Well, I tell you what, I I've had you guys on here for a while. I do have a listener question. Uh, I had a lot of people ask questions and I thought this was a pretty cool question to ask. So Jess from France, which we were just talking about Europe and how you have, you know, you worked with that label out of France. Uh, she wants to know, 
Jesse and Bill, what is your dream lineup for a show or tour? And this can be bands that don't exist anymore. This can be anything. Your dream lineup. And we'll go uh we'll go Jesse first on this one. <laughs> so if, are we supporting the tour or just to get to go see bands I've never seen? Well, let's do both. You you tell me like maybe right. one that you want to go hang out at and then one where maybe you guys, since we've talked about you guys being like the workhorse support band, maybe a tour that you guys support as well. So I, I would love to have been able to see Sublime. I think that would have just been a fun show. So many jams. <laughs> so really, my childhood was a lot of Sublime too. So that'd be one Dude, that I, I really would have I've loved I've got the to. tattoo right there. <laughs> it looks really Oh, shitty. yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, and you know, and the thing with Sublime is they were just playing backyard parties, yeah. and, you know, so I would have loved to have been at like a backyard barbecue watching Sublime play. That's something that, that really would have been fun. Um, tour for me, you know, my, my biggest aspirations, my favorite bands, the ones that I really idolized growing up happened to be face to face and no fun at all. Those were just the two, my two favorite bands um, in 2010, I believe when face to face came back after their hiatus, I was in, you know, music class in college, my phone rings. I answered the phone because it was a number I didn't recognize. I stepped outside, answered the phone. It was Glasshouse in Pomona asking if we wanted to open up for face to face on their first show back. So that was my, literally my dream come true as a fan and being a musician was going to play with face to face. And then uh, never saw no for an all being from Sweden, 20 years as a fan and got to see them for the first time at, I, punk rock holiday uh, a couple years ago and then became you know fr- friendly with them and when they came out to the states we actually played a show with them last year in san diego so really my two bucket list bands but if we could do a little tour like that a face-to-face <laughs> no fun at all and chaser tour i'll go anywhere in the world in the world so that that would be pretty much for me the bucket list one that's awesome bill what do you got man uh, I would go with three uh, really super influential bands. If I could be a part of this tour, that would be definitely kind of bucket list stuff. Um, Bad Religion, Pennywise, and Agnostic Front uh, would be definitely like a good, because I'm a, I'm still a hardcore fan. I love hardcore music. And so um, and that was just really like a big part of my upbringing. And so, and we play, you know, I always go see hardcore shows and the hardcore bands when we're on the festivals, like, because most of the festivals, what's cool about them in Europe is that, it's a combination of your melodic punk and your uh, hardcore punk. So I'd say that's probably the tour that would be the tour to end all tours. What about just like a show you could go to though? Oh man. Uh, I would love to see a uh, minor threat back in the day. Yeah. If I could see it like back in there, like, you know, I would be probably terrified of that show because <laughs> it would probably be super violent. And that's probably why Ian stopped playing those shows anyway. But um, you know, definitely as in a, as a kind of disaffected suburban youth, you know, to go see a show would be some would be something special. I'd like to see Minor Threat open for Fugazi. That's what I would like to see. I, I had a friend's dad one time that said that he saw the Foo Fighters open for Nirvana. So oh, I freeze again. Wow, <laughs> wow! You, you, you saw the Foo Fighters open open for Nirvana. <laughs> I I had a buddy whose dad said he saw the Foo Fighters open for Nirvana, and we told him over and over again that's that's not real, man. You're lying. <laughs> that is, that's definitely not real. <laughs> he's like, but no. my dad, but my dad told me so. <laughs> he's like, I yeah. swear they were there. They both and Dave Grohl played drums on both sets. I'm like, you're lying, dude. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. yeah. So thank you guys so much for uh, answering Jess's question, Jess from France. Thank you so much for your support. 
I always ask this, and I know with the pandemic, it's kind of weird, but future plans for you guys, maybe, you know, the new record, but then maybe past that, do you have things in the books that you're going to be working on? Yeah. Yeah. We got a new album, new album released. We're actually going to start in the coming months, start doing the singles and the music videos, gearing up for the new album. And then next summer, we're back on tour, back to Europe, reconfirmed for a lot of the shows. We have Tells Belt, uh, Punk Rock Holiday, Rack Rock, some support dates with some awesome bands like uh, Get Dead and The Last Gang and Belvedere, Downway. So we got a full uh, three-week European tour coming up next summer. And after that, we're going to be back in the lab working on and writing, uh, continuing to write new music. That's all. And you guys are like going to work with the same labels and everything, or, I mean, did you got, when you guys signed with those labels or not maybe signed, but the whole licensing thing with the labels from other countries, do you sign to like work with them again? Or is it always just a one-off kind of deal? Always a one-off deal. And for this one, it's, it was intended for the seven inch and the full length. Okay. Well, I tell you what, is there a way that uh, people can check you guys out easily online, like your socials or a website? They can check us out at chaserpunkrock.com, and that will have all the socials, merch, shows. That's the one-stop shop. Cool, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you guys coming on the show today. I know there's been some technical stuff, but uh, no one will hear that because I will be able to be the magician that makes it all sound smooth and very nice. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) But uh, I just want to say how much I enjoy the band, and I've kind of been admiring the band from afar for quite a while. And when, uh, you know, we decided to to have you, you know, we talked and you guys were going to come on the show. I was really excited. I've always kind of, I've always liked you guys and listened to you guys, but I didn't know a lot about your story and it's really nice to hear it from you guys in in person. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having us. Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. Thanks for having us. We're a big fan, big fan of your show. So we're really happy to be on and happy to be here. That's awesome. And when you guys have the, you know, the new stuff coming out, you know, let's do a part two. Let's, let's have you back and we'll, we'll talk some more. That'd be great. Awesome. man. well, I'll talk to you guys soon and I'll let you know when it comes out. Have a great day. Thanks. Good luck. Good luck with everything, man. I, the, your publicist sent me the new stuff and it's, it's killer, man. I, I love it so much. And I just continued, continued success for you guys. And I hope that you just, you guys take over the world. Hey, Thanks thank so you, man. Much, man. Help, yeah, help really us, help us get on Fat Records. I, I have, <laughs> yeah, I know some bad. people. I don't know how much pull I have, but I know some people <laughs> over there. So maybe I can send it to them or something. We'll see. We appreciate right, you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for everything. Awesome. Have a great night, man. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, Chris. So there it was, my conversation with Jesse and Bill from the awesome band Chaser. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Make sure to check out their new release, Look Alive, available now on all of the streaming platforms. You can also get the digital version over at chaser.bandcamp.com, which is really cool because 100% of the band proceeds will be donated to some awesome nonprofit organizations like Crisis Aid International, Educational First Steps, the Equal Justice Initiative, and the Surfrider Foundation. So check that out. Help these guys out. Check out their music. They're awesome. Let's make them huge. They, they're one of the best bands out there right now, and you guys need to get on the train right now. The Chaser Train. Check it out. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for coming back. Every week the numbers are growing. 
I look back at what we were doing as far as like downloads, you know, a year ago and we were doing pretty well, but it has just, it's gotten a little out of hand guys. <laughs> so thank you so much. And uh, I just, I love seeing where all the new people are listening from. We've gotten a lot of downloads in Asia, which we always had people in like Japan and, you know, Singapore and the Philippines, but now it's just I think we had some people from Vietnam listen the other day, and and I, I check the numbers and I check all the geographical location stuff because I'm a nerd and I like that stuff. But uh, it's really cool. I think we're up over over 110 countries now, which is pretty insane. And uh, I have to thank you guys for it for spreading the word, uh, just sharing our stuff on on Facebook and to different groups and on Instagram and Twitter. I just thank you guys so much for the support. I really, really appreciate it. So make sure to go on over to our brand spanking new website, TOTOTpodcast.com and get connected. We have a mailing list and we have all of the links over there for anything that you want to do. Even this episode you're listening to right now has its own little website where you can share, you can listen, you can do all kinds of cool stuff. So check it out. Thanks again to our art director over at Road Dog Supply, Sarah, for not only doing the website and keeping everything up to par over there, but doing all the awesome artwork for every episode. Thank you so much. It's, it's really cool. Like she'll hit me up like a few days out. Who's the next guest? And then we, I send her pictures and everything and she nails it every time. I love the artwork. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate that. And check out RoadDogSupply.com as well. She works with Big Wig and a bunch of different people on merchandise and all kinds of stuff. It's really cool over there. She's got a cool community, and I'm, I'm really happy to be a part of it. So that is it for today. I am just so excited to keep this podcast rolling. We have some amazing guests lined up. I normally tell you who the guest is going to be, but uh, I've got a few to choose from next week, and I think I'm going to keep you in suspense. It will be a good one, though. I guarantee that it will be a good one. So before I jump out of here, as always, you know I'm going to say it. You know I'm going to do it. I'm going to play some music. I always do. This is a music podcast. Why wouldn't I play some music? So I'm going to play a brand spanking new title track, the brand spanking new title track from the new Chaser release entitled Look Alive. Thank you so much for the support. Go check out Chaser. They're awesome. Check out Ramanami, the band from the beginning. Check out S-Bam, Spam, the guy that did the artwork for our new logo. He did a lot of stuff for Chaser. You heard the little ad in the middle of the conversation. So many cool people help this podcast keep going. And, you know, the number one person that helps this podcast keep going is you, the person listening right now. You might be in your car. You might be on your back deck smoking a cigarette, which is when I listen to a lot of podcasts. But uh, yeah, it's it's you, the listener out there. Uh, you make this happen and you make it awesome. And I appreciate every each and every one of you out there. Keep listening and I'll keep churning out the, the good content. And uh, that's it. I'm going to jump out of here. This is the new Chaser title track to their new EP. Man, I'm I'm losing it, guys. Uh, this song's called Look Alive. Check it out everywhere, streaming right now. Love you guys. As always, this is Chris. Peace.
Hey, this is Lars Fredrickson from Rancid. This is Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday. This is Tom from MXPX. Hey, this is Jay Bentley from Bad Religion. This is Vinny from Less Than Jake. This is Travis from Coheed and Cambria. This is Chris number two for the band Anti-Flag. Hey, this is Ricky Rocket from Poison. This is Pete Parada from The Offspring. Hey, this is Zach Blair from Rise Against. Hey, this is Eddie from the band Thrice. Hi, this is Frank Tanner. Hey, this is Jim from Pennywise. Hey, this is Eric Smelly, the drummer of No Effects. Hi, this is Bill from Faith and More. Hey, this is Chris from Propagandy. Hi, this is Roy from No Use for Name. Hi, this is Ben Gillies from Silverchair. This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. It is now 2024, and the choice is up to you. Do you listen to good podcasts, or do you listen to bad ones? Well, we've got a suggestion for you. How about you listen to a good podcast for the first time in your miserable life? I can think of one. Overnight Drive. Going strong. 11 years now. The podcast about nothing. Your favorite podcast's favorite podcast. Do you enjoy nothing? (laughs) So do we. Why don't you come over and check it out and stop listening to other podcasts. Thank you.